want to build a community and share other women's stories. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tea with TE She Who Leads podcast. Today, we've got Natasha Engen, and she is the SVP of sales at Dell Tech. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me to chat with you today, Terry. So happy to have you here. Um, love to start with just a brief introduction on you and just a bit of history, if that's okay. Yeah, so uh, why don't I start with uh, where what I'm doing today, and then I can go back and take you through some history. So I work for Dell Tech, which is a software and solutions company based in Herndon, Virginia. The company is focused on project-based businesses and supporting them uh, and their solutions to be around five specific industries, government contracting, architecture and engineering firms, consulting, construction, as well as digital agencies. And we're a global business. Uh, and I run our global sales organization. Perfect, thank you. That's really helpful in terms of the, the oversight, particularly into Dell Tech. Um, Thinking a bit more broadly around career history, because obviously this is where we talk about and we're sharing stories, hopefully with future generation of leaders um, and hopefully those that are female in terms of just this, the journey that you've been on. So would you mind just sharing kind of whistle-stop tour and going a, a back pre, pri, prior, I guess, to where you've come from? Yeah, sure. So I started my career out of college at a pharmaceutical company, worked pharmaceuticals. Uh, and quickly found out that, uh, you know, I loved being in uh, a large company. There's a lot of opportunity, but I had a chance to uh, go uh, to work with a friend of mine and start a business. And so I took an entrepreneurship route pretty quickly in my early 20s and started running uh, our own business, uh, consulting and software resale business. Um, you know, that eventually turned out to uh, me going into the software business and ultimately working with a software company uh, that we resold their software products uh, and eventually ended up, uh, you know, at IBM <laughs> over time yeah. and in their software business. And I had a number of different roles at IBM. I spent 12 years there, uh, you know, and I had an awesome experience uh, at IBM, you know, moving to different opportunities, different parts of the business, software, services. Uh, solutions and, uh, you know, in new roles every 18 to 24 months and just really grew um, as a leader and a professional. Um, when I left IBM, I changed and took a delivery leadership role at Dell Tech, where I am now. So I've been, been here seven years and celebrated my seventh anniversary, actually, last yeah. week. So Congratulations. Yeah, so... Uh, but I, you know, I always end up uh, in the pressure seat in businesses, typically through transformations uh, and changes, as well as in sales and go-to-market roles, which you know are always a lot of fun. Um, I particularly love transformational type of leadership roles uh, in driving change. And I think we'll get on to that. And I know you kind of mentioned to me you always somehow get drawn into these roles. You didn't start in this type of role at Dell Tech, but here you are back in the sales hot seat. Yes. yes. I love it though. <laughs> <laughs> it must find you. You must just, you must just have the magnetic field. Um, and just, you mentioned there, obviously earlier career and, and starting your own business at 20, which is pretty inspirational, but where did that come from? 
Yeah, so I started my own, own business in my mid twenties. Not at twenty, I was still in college. <laughs> still, very, still very young. <laughs> so, so I had some amazing role models uh, growing up. I grew up in rural Minnesota, so yeah. kind of because my children love to say the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. And uh, <laughs> my father was an entrepreneur who uh, built his own business. Actually, grew it to a billion dollar company when he sold it. The distribution business. Um, and he actually started the business the same year I was born. So it's kind of ironic. Grew up, I grew up. So yeah. I learned that from my father. Um, on the flip side, um, my mom's sister, my aunt, uh, was an executive in a big company. She was an executive at Target. And yeah. she started at Target as a, an executive assistant to the CEO at the time. Yeah. So it was amazing. just a really amazing opportunity for me to learn from her as she, like, kind of uh, grew through the ranks, was the first women executive, you know, time and time wow. again, to be a trailblazer. And she's still um, a great inspiration to me today. And I'm very close with her. Yeah, so, I can imagine. Great yeah. to have, to have that to grow up with. Yes, yes. So I still bounce things off both my dad as well as my aunt, uh, as I go through, you know, professional and personal challenges as we all yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, of course. And when you and I were first chatting, Natasha, we were talking about kind of what makes a, a successful female executive and, and how do people get into these kind of C-level roles with large organizations or not necessarily even just large, how do people take the, the first step as founder, as an example, and then make that a successful business? And I think a lot of that came back for you in terms of pushing outside of your comfort zone, seizing opportunities, and embracing change and you just kind of talked about it a little bit there with the transformation piece and how you're kind of always drawn to that but could you share some pivotal moments of your career so far that you think have shaped where you are today yeah so I would say that, that there's probably two that really stand out for me first one is probably when I left Burke to go start my own business um, which you know was a very interesting transition at a pretty young age I wasn't so much afraid of it at the time because I had my father as a role model. Yeah. But, you know, I also had to pay the rent and uh, was on my own and didn't get a lot of help. So, uh, yeah. Scary, but exciting at the same time. And I and I think I probably didn't know enough to think through the pitfalls, yeah. to be honest. And I was kind of fearless in going after it. And I think yeah. sometimes you got to follow your heart and your passion and just go for things. And I think I did that early in my career. That was probably the first time. So leaving a corporate yeah. job and going to start my own business with a partner. Um, having a partner was helpful because I had someone to go on the journey. Yeah. 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 And, and the second one, I uh, the second opportunity that really stretched me outside my comfort zone um, happened later in my career. I worked for a software company um, that was acquired by IBM called Essential Software. And I was uh, offered a foreign assignment to go live in Asia for, um, for a couple of years. And uh, I had just gotten married. And I came back from my honeymoon and I was offered this assignment. <laughs> Meanwhile, my husband is a lawyer in the U.S. And his okay. skills are not necessarily transferable over to Asia. So, um, and I don't think the head of sales at the time who offered me the job thought there was any chance in hell I was going to take the job. <laughs> so, but I did. So I talked to my husband. I was like, well, go for it because if we have kids or what have you, there is no yeah. way you're going to be able to have that opportunity again because it's just not as easy for all of us to to move and for him to give up his career. So, you know, I went for it and um, I learned so much. I had the opportunity to live in Tokyo as well wow. as um, 
spend significant time in Shanghai. Uh, and okay. it was just a phenomenal experience, um, cultural experience, growth experience. I learned so much culturally, yeah. professionally. And um, we were acquired by IBM um, during my time there. So I learned about oh, wow from going from a smaller software company yeah. into a major conglomerate of technology. So it was a fascinating experience. And I still look back fondly um, about how uncomfortable it was, uh, but how amazing it yeah. was, how energizing it was to continue to learn every day. Yeah. And how was that? Because that was probably something totally, I mean, going from rural Minnesota, as you say, to Tokyo and Shanghai. Where were you living before you moved to Tokyo? I was living in Boston. So I was okay. living in town Boston. So, um, <clears throat> but Boston is a small town compared to Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was phenomenal. You know, I think, uh, you know, being a single female over there, my husband not being with me, I was married, obviously. Yeah over there by myself. So I would travel on the weekends quite a bit, but I would always yeah. go on group tours. Yeah. Um, I was mindful about when I went out. Tokyo is a very safe city. Um, yeah, of course. But um, I was just really mindful about what I did and how I did it and how I went about things to be, you know, to focus on my personal safety as well. But it was- Yeah, amazing. of course. But still yeah. an amazing opportunity and great, great that you got to discover a different part of the world, which some people don't actually even- manage to get over there right I think for some people it's a, a dream so that's great um and I know we talked about obviously pushing out comfort zones and sometimes we're pushed out of them for kind of unnecessary reasons or reasons that are out of our control and I think sometimes that throws us um so thinking about that what are some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome and, and how did you overcome those yeah, so I would say, and maybe this is my older self telling me this, but my biggest obstacle is probably myself. <laughs> and as yeah. you know, we get older, I think we become less risk adverse and we've got more responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's just me overthinking things rather than, you know, being um, mindful, but, you know, putting myself out there in more um, growth opportunities and taking more risks and getting outside my comfort zone a little bit more. So I would say the first one is probably myself. Uh, and then the second thing I would say is really knowing when to make transitions uh, in your yeah. career. You know, sometimes they happen organically or naturally. You get an opportunity that presents itself and you go. There's other times where I think that you're mindful and say, you know what, I think I really want to look for something else to do or, you know, maybe purpose their passion or something. Mm -hmm. And you really want to pivot to an industry or an area to give back. It really depends on the individual. And I think knowing when to make transitions. And so for me, um, when I decided that I wanted to go to a smaller company and leave IBM, that yeah. was a hard transition for me. One that it pushed me outside my comfort zone, but one that's been amazing. And I have really enjoyed, uh, you know, my time at Delta and being at Delta has been a great experience for me. Yeah, of course. And just touching upon the IBM piece, because you were obviously partnering closely with the person that is the now CEO of IBM, right? You were in a You'd had yeah. multiple promotions. You you were in a very good spot. You you were safe, so to speak. Yes, so, yes, and I was growing <laughs> and developing. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, that gut feeling came from somewhere. I'm assuming, and just you just thought, you know what, I I need to go. Did the opportunity at Deltec present itself to you, or was it really that you'd already kind of realized that there wasn't longevity at IBM? 
So um, I think there would have been longevity at IBM if I had chosen to stay there because it's a, yeah. IBM is a great company and they've gone through an amazing transformation over the last few years and it's yeah. just really impressive. Um, but for me, I think I just was earning, you know, yearning to do something different. So I was pretty conscious about what I did. I reached out and developed relationships with a lot of executive okay. recruiting firms. I was pretty yeah. intentional. Um, yeah. And it wasn't like I was looking for a specific role. I just wanted to see what else I could do, what else I could learn. Because um, I think one of the things at that point in my career, being at a big company is amazing, but I wanted a seat at the table. I wanted to be able mm -hmm. to make strategy decisions, not necessarily just do the execution piece. Yeah. And so I had an opportunity to do that when I when the opportunity to come to Dell Tech um, came yeah. up. So, you know, that was one of the key drivers. Is I, yeah. you know, I, I went from having my own business earlier in my career. We exactly. Making, which I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, you're supposed to. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to get back um you know, into a position where I could have a seat at the table because it would have been a lot longer time frame at IBM to have a seat like I've had at Dell Tech the last few years. Yeah, yeah. And Natasha, I know a big thing that you have had to overcome is obviously losing your mother um, yeah. about 12 months ago. And we talked about this when we first connected, but that is something that, that obviously within the workplace, I know is really hard to deal with from a personal perspective. Do you mind me asking how has that been and how have you found that transition in terms of getting yeah. back to that? Yeah. So, um, well, I never really took enough time off. So don't model my behavior because I was not a good model of <laughs> good leadership behavior when you lose a parent. Um, but, you know, I had the, I, you know, I'm really grateful looking back. Uh, I had my mom, my parents came to live with me in Boston okay. when my mom received cancer treatment right before the pandemic. And so I had the opportunity to spend, you know, time that I never would have gotten yeah. as a result, uh, living, you know, a couple thousand miles away from where my parents lived in Minnesota. So it was an amazing experience for me and my children to spend that kind of time with my mom. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, so I got to spend the time. I got to go with her to treatment and I was with her um, this time last year when she was in hospice before she passed. So it's been challenging, yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but Yeah, of course. Life, it's life. And I think if it's taught me anything, you've got to really do what you love and do what's meaningful because uh, this life is not forever. So, yeah. And I know that you've talked about that and I think it kind of shows through with your positive outlook. I can see that you always try and shift things to be a positive, which I understand. And I think it obviously does try and help with taking it each day as they come. Yeah. Um, Let's think a little bit more around kind of sales and, and your industry and how you found it. Because I would say that the services world is probably not the most um, female dominated when we kind of look at it in terms of gender equity. Have you overcome? And I, and look, we, I think, as female leaders, don't want to talk about things as thinking about it as a victim mentality, right? That's not what this podcast is about. It's actually about achieving things but at the same time I think there is still a disparity between um how the opportunities arise for women and men in, in work so have you had to overcome many challenges thinking about kind of the the gender equity piece and leadership yeah I think I think that's a real challenge in software technology services related to technology I think it's a challenge uh, the gender yeah. equity piece I think the number one thing for me um, to overcome that is having really supportive uh, 
women leaders that were ahead of me that had really mentored me and were supportive. And I also had male leaders um, who really championed my career and my professional development. Um, One of them being at IBM who just had a tremendous impact on me personally and professionally. Okay. Yeah. And and just there's, and you just never know how things are going to evolve. So, you know, for me, it's really been that leadership. Excuse me. Another thing for me has also been, um, you know, the ability to give back and help other women. So I was a co-founder of our women at Dell Tech Employee Resource Group and uh, spent a lot of time, you know, helping mentor and sponsor uh, other women. Yeah. Um, And then working with my peers on the executive team to make sure that um, they know that I'm available to mentor women on their team and also encourage them to sponsor and really put themselves out there for, you know, key talent and key folks, if it be a growth assignment or an opportunity for promotion. So yeah, that's really nice. I think um, it's great to see the gender allyship, but at the same time, kind of the women supporting women, I think we can do more of that too, to help obviously create pathways for people. And I think actually sometimes females say to me that they get discouraged by of the females, which I've always find quite shocking. So I've not really had to come up against that. So, so women can be harsh to other women. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, However, I think I'm seeing it less and less as my career has gone on. Yeah. A lot more earlier in my career. I remember I had times when I had women that were older than me working for me and they're like, I can't believe I'm working for a younger woman or men say that to me too. So it's just interesting. I think sometimes women feel like they're more competitive with each other. Versus realizing there's room at the table for all of us. Yeah. And like, how do we, and how do we make room for each other and then support each other? And I think that's the real difference maker. So it's really the outlook. And if you help other women, it comes back to you typically. I agree. In space. I so. agree. Well, I, anybody, right? So it's that classic case. Absolutely. Of, of help, help, whatever you put out typically comes back in, in some way. Um, and I know that you are, and obviously you've led large teams and this is, it's formed a part of your career throughout, I think, in terms of being a leader yourself. And um, how do you encourage your own teams? I know you kind of take this home as well in terms of parenting, but how do you, how do you drive kind of encouragement and leadership through your teams? Well, one of the things that I ask my team to do is really think about how they want to grow and develop and evolve their personal uh, objectives and goals, as well as our professional yeah. ones. <clears throat> Excuse me, but one of the ways um, that you have to do that is you have to understand yourself. So I'm a huge fan of leadership development, but starting with a baseline to understand how you show up to your team, who you manage or lead, your peers, and those above you. So doing like a 360 type of evaluation that's based on yeah. data. Um, and then, you know, seeing how you perceive yourself and how others perceive you and figuring out you know, what do you want to work on? You know, we all have strengths and weaknesses we need to work mm-hmm. on. And so developing that plan. So I encourage my team to do that, but I can't just ask them to do that. I have to model that behavior. So I have to do it for myself. So yeah. I really make it a point to own model and drive my own professional development. And I have a lot to work on. <laughs> I'm going to be growing and evolving forever, which is good, you know, and we all are. Yeah. So. But so I think it's really important to own, model, and drive your own leadership development. Um, uh, and, and, and be honest and open with your team about what you're working on, how you're showing up. Um, I am extremely transparent on my leadership development. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a program at Dell Tech called the Leadership Circle Framework. Okay. Um, 
it's a very analytical framework, but I, I'm share it. I'm open with it. I'm good with it. You know, I'm just not everyone feels that way to be very yeah. transparent, but I'm pretty transparent. And, you know, because I feel like I can't ask people to work on themselves or um, share their development journey with me if I'm not willing to share mine with them. So, yeah. yeah. Which I com- I am completely on board with. And I think you have to have that level of openness and empathy and transparency to be able to create kind of a genuine relationship, right? Otherwise, it's yeah. just kind of for the, for the sake of it. Yeah, Do you share your... So I look at, you know, leadership development, really my job as a leader is to grow other leaders. And so if yeah. I'm not focused on scaling the development of my team, I'm not doing my job. So that's one of the key areas that I really view and as a team do you kind of share those personal goals with one another or is that more you just have them and you know that they're there and you set them so it's interesting that you say that so we actually bring like I brought my leadership team in um about two years ago now um, to share their personal journey and it starts with you telling your own story so each of us would stand up I obviously went first as a leader because you often go first as a leader yeah um, Share my story, show my, share my personal story and my professional story, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. And we actually do it visually on a leadership circle mat. So we're like in a room, chairs around the mat and we're walking around telling our story, jumping into things that are above the line, which are, you know, you know, every competency on the leadership circle is a positive competency. Some are above the line. So they're more positive. You want to amplify those. Some are above the line where you where you want to figure out how to minimize some of those, but they still have gifts. So it's just, it's just a really interesting exercise um, to allow yourself to get to know your team and let people get to know you. And then you have this common framework where you can relate to each other. And then you can, you can use the framework to, you know, help work on business problems together as a team too. Yeah. So I think it's yeah, it's probably quite emotional. Yeah. 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 Oh, believe me, there was hugs, there was crying, there was laughing. (laughs) And so, and it's it. my teams are going through this with their subsequent leadership teams over the last couple of years. And so it's just fun to see the teams and in the trust continue to evolve and develop even stronger. uh, And then the performance, you know, hopefully goes in line with that as well. So your performance and your retention, I think the retention must be there is naturally you feel as though you're part of something bigger than just a job. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, we've got like best in class retention at Dell Tech. We were in the top ten best companies to work wow. for door recently, one of the Forbes best midsize. So it's it's we see it in our, our engagement mm-hmm. surveys are like best in class. So it really comes out in many different ways. So but it's yeah, fun. That's, that's really impressive. And I think it shows the true power of kind of leading with being genuine. And that's you just absolutely yeah. um I know this is something that I think you've been thinking more about in the last few years and you have kind of said work life, the realizing that work isn't everything and that actually, obviously you've got children and having a bit more of a work-life balance. You you kind of said, I, I think I need to just focus on that a little bit too and, and get a bit of you time back. And um, how can employers and just female leaders help support others that want to be able to obviously have time with their family and and just have a better work-life balance? I think one of the best things that leaders can do is really talk to their employees and really understand what's going on. 
Um, because, you know, often, you know, sometimes they have children, sometimes they're caregivers for their parents. I've had the pleasure of dealing with both at the same time. <laughs> so it's kind yeah. of, it, 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 when you have, uh, you know, challenges on the personal front, I think it really uh, forces you to re-examine your priorities. And so yeah. for me, that's where I think it came more into focus. But I think as a leader, you need to be empathetic. You need to really understand, yeah. try to understand. You may not understand or walk in their shoes, but you need to really try to empathize with them and understand what's going on and how you can best support them. I know I've had situations where I've had, um, you know, female employees who were, you know, married, pregnant with their first children, not want to step into that first leadership role, but yeah. then they're not ready not to force them, but how do we mentor you, give you stretches mm -hmm. to get you ready to take those roles when you are ready? Um, yeah. because, you know, it's scary when your life is changing and more responsibility and things are evolving. So it's yeah. really encouraging and then having folks to role model on your team the behaviors to help because you know dads go through and men go through a lot of the same things um yeah. it's challenging it's really challenging and yeah. we need to support each other to get there yeah I think we're we're getting there as a society and generally speaking right just not not yeah. in every place I don't yeah. think yeah I, I, I think you just need to be mindful as a leader too like when you're going to call <clears throat> your employer yeah. when you're going to send emails for requests yeah. like a lot of times I'll work on weekends but not I'll line up my try email. not to send it yeah exactly Monday morning or yeah so just to be mindful because people are watching especially for mm -hmm. leaders what they're doing yeah and they're going to think if the leader's doing this they're going to expect I everybody to, to do yeah. this and that, you know and that's not necessarily the environment you want to create yeah, I completely agree. I don't think everybody is that mindful though, Natasha. So nice of you to to share that. I think hopefully someone will take that away. Um, well, I'll be and, honest. I was told that from a mentor in my career about 15 years ago. <laughs> so okay. Not like I came up with it. She told me that she was um, very mindful on when she sent emails and the example that she was sending yeah. for yeah, I agree. And I think if that's how you kind of do as I do, right? So I don't want to be setting the exact, yes, I want to work, but nobody's telling me to do it on the weekend. So I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do this, but at the same time, I'm not going to show you that I'm doing it either. Um, which I like, I think it's the right philosophy to take. And I know you had some interesting stories about your children who are keen sports players and the way that you have kind of taken your parenting style and then taking that into the office from a leadership perspective I really liked the angles of kind of your coaching mentality so is there anything you want to share in terms of, of that yeah so I would say you know I you know I, I started our sales kickoff this year with um, a story about my daughter but I you know before I did that I said you know we've got a you know one thing we can do is control you see on social media the list of 10 things you control like your passion your attitude your work ethic Mm -hmm. etc um, and so I shared that with my team and then I said uh, let me share an example of my daughter who uh, is, was an avid lacrosse player since she was like in third grade she was definitely on track to play lacrosse in college but unfortunately um, she had a knee on knee injury at a lacrosse goalie camp she was a goalie <clears throat> and she tore her ACL and her meniscus and she came back from that it was almost a year recovery period to come back from and she just wasn't the same and so yeah it was really really hard for her really hard for her because she had big aspirations and big dreams and she didn't feel good coming back to practice and being able to, to move easily mm -hmm. 30 so she tried to learn to row class um last 
the end of last summer and she really enjoyed it. And then she was invited to try out for club rowing and she was still in club lacrosse at the same time in the fall. So she did a club rowing class and absolutely loved it and got to do the head of the Charles, the head, a couple yeah. of rowing events. And I know nothing about rowing. So <laughs> she loved it. She's really good at it. She was going to row through the winter. And the coach said to her at the club she was at, you know, I really don't think that you should row with us this winter. You need to really figure out if you're going to choose lacrosse or rowing because we really want focused athletes just mm -hmm. on rowing. <clears throat> and they said to her, well, you don't have to do that. It's really your choice because I yeah. think that, you know, this is your decision. You want to give up lacrosse, something you've worked on for years to get here. She's a junior in high school right now. Or do you want to go the rowing path? She was, she called me crying after the meeting with the coach because she basically was rejected from, you know, rowing yeah. in the winter and training. And she, I said, calm down. Just, it'll work itself out. You've got to figure out what you want to do, but you've got to take a couple of days and figure it out. Yeah. And she's like, no, mom, <clears throat> I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to row. I'm going to go to another rowing club in Boston and I'm going to row. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, so I said, go have dinner with your friends and then we'll talk about it later. Yeah. So she came home, went to bed. Next day, she's like, I'm definitely rowing. She started reaching out to the different rowing clubs on her own. And um, I called the coach of one of them because you have to apply. And then mm -hmm. you, so, and she ended up rowing with another club and she decided to go all in on rowing. And uh, I'd actually just talked to her uh, this morning and she is talking with a number of college coaches and amazing. She's going to be probably rowing not in college and likely maybe division one. So we'll see what happens. But wow. And how quick was that turnaround? What was the time frame? So she's, she's, so it was months. So within six months, yeah. she's been recruited by college rowing. Crazy. She's one college rowing teams. I'm like shocked by this. So you just yeah. never know when opportunities are going to present themselves and you've got yeah. to be open to them and then you've got to take control. Yeah. And yeah. And the things that throw themselves in their way that you can't control, it's kind of like we were saying earlier, right? It's like, okay, well, I, I can't do anything about it, but I can handle how I can react to it yeah, and what my yeah. response is. Yeah. And so she's laser focused training. She's on vacation right now visiting my dad and she's training uh, every day uh, oh. and then out on the water rowing. So she, she loves it. Amazing. So, how old is she? She's 17 and a junior in high school. So she's looking at wow. college, getting ready to finish up high school next year. So we'll see what happens. Well, hats off to her. Very impressive. She clearly has her mother's traits in terms of just going for something. She's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's supposed to happen. You're yes. supposed to then exactly. create better yes. versions of yourself, right? I, I think that... <laughs> we share with you everything I did wrong. <laughs> exactly. But at least you've been there and learned from it. She'll probably still make silly mistakes along the way, but that's that's also life. We all it? do. I still make exactly. mistakes. Exactly. Exactly. And um, as we reflect on your career and we think about um, where you have got to today, what does embracing discomfort mean to you and how has it shaped as who, who you are today? So I think um, embracing discomfort to me really means being willing to take those chances and experience the discomfort. You know, rather than running away from it, run towards it, you know. It really um, allows us to get new perspectives and learn new things that we never thought and, and, and achieve things we never thought could be possible. So I think it's just um, a great way to go after things. And you never know what opportunities are going to come up and what you're going to learn in the process. Yeah. 
I think your daughter is a prime example of that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, right. what, what final piece of advice would you give to the future generation of female leaders? So I think the final piece of advice I'd give is be authentic, be who you are, be confident. I know it's hard because a lot of us have imposter syndrome, um, yeah. men and women. I've seen it across the board, but be yeah. confident. You all have, everyone has special talents. Um, and gifts and use those special talents and gifts and be good with it. And then, um, you know, get, make sure you get encouragement from positive role models. I think it's really important to leverage a network and get positive role models, a mentor, sponsor, whatever you may be lucky enough to have, and then continue to grow your network. It's really important to continue to grow your network along the way and then pay it back. Yeah. Just on that, because I think people do struggle with that network piece just to go into it in, in a little bit more detail, yeah. what, what would you, what would you suggest if someone's kind of starting out and doesn't really have a network? How do you think is the best way to go about building that? So I think, you know, whenever you have an opportunity to go to networking events or go meet with customers or have opportunities to meet with peers at other companies, take advantage of that. Make sure you connect with people on LinkedIn before meetings. If you're going into a new meeting with a new company, send them a yeah. note. You know, just reach out, be proactive and take advantage of every opportunity you have. And then when you have a special connection with somebody, try to stay in touch with them. Yeah. And I always recommend calendarizing things. Like if you've yeah. got that you want to keep in touch with, even if it's only once every six months, put it in your calendar. Yeah. Even if it's just to reach out with a phone call, an email, a text, whatever it may be, but try to really just keep in touch. Thank you. Natasha, you have shared so many great insights and I think it's going to be a valuable lesson for a lot of people who are listening just to take some takeaways from, from your career and how much you've achieved today. So thank you so much for joining us. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Terry. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Good. I do have one last question because it is the Tea with Tea podcast. Okay. Which is, how do you take your tea? Oh, I drink coffee. <laughs> it's allowed it's allowed and huh? I drink coffee free <laughs> so it's sugar so it's uh, allowed <laughs> yeah I drink it black okay yeah that's that's good it's that very fair? yeah that, that's perfect perfect answer and um, Natasha thank you so much really appreciate your time